As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up... Celtic ready for Eddie, Rice boils over, and Scotland's next top model. I'm Andrew Slavin, and alongside me, esteemed football writer JJ Bull. JJ, the listeners can't see you right now. Um, what have you modelled your look on? Uh, I'm not sure, but I heard you say that as steamed, as though I'm like a steamed football writer rather than esteemed. constantly steaming. <laughs> a steamed ham. Um, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that's all I have for you right now. All right, cool. No worries. Also joining us, senior producer at Motherwell, Laura Brannan. Hello. Hello, how are you? Um, who could be a model at Motherwell, Laura? <laughs> Who's good on camera? Oh, uh, Bevis McGarry. He absolutely adores the camera. Does, <laughs> He's an does he? Natural born poser. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I, I should probably say the reason I'm bringing this up is because, and um, we might mention it later on in the podcast, is that um, I found out that Alan Russell the new uh, coach at Aberdeen, was once a model and shared a stage with Christina Aguilera. Um, in he was hot AF, to be fair. Hot AF. <laughs> Just like you, JJ. Before we talk about the Scottish Cup, uh, let's talk about Scotland. Um, we got our first win in the World Cup qualifying, our first taste of maybe a new team, a new setup. But what are what are your thoughts? What, what did you like? What did you not like, uh, Laura? I liked that we got three points. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> it was a nice way to end the, the opening three games of the campaign. Um, a little bit disappointing overall, just to get five points out of nine. But at least we ended on a high. And now we can officially all start to look forward and get excited about the Euros. So, oh no, not the worst opening start. Also yeah. not the best. But yeah, how good was Kieran Tierney? Oh my God. Um, yeah. A little bit nervous now because we're entering that stage of players can really start to get injured now and miss the Euros. And we saw Tierney come off early um, in the Arsenal game the other day. So it's a wee bit of a, a nervous time as we await the results of um, his scan or whatever he's going through to get um, the, the outcome of that. But fingers crossed it's not as serious as it first looks. Yeah, there's a, it was a hat-trick of, of assists for Tierney. We beat the Pharaohs 4-0. And the... the 
the the debate about him and and Andy Robertson being in the same team that kind of reignited itself and maybe that's disappeared now that Tierney could be could be out. I hope he isn't. Um, but JJ, do you think it's a bit unfair for this to be brought back to their attention? Can Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney be in the same team? Well, the thing is, you you have to play them both because they're they're two best players, so you have to get them in the team. And the way I mean, the system works so that they both can get in, and it does work in theory. Tierney does play or has played that left centre back role for Arsenal and he likes to he doesn't have to run wide all the time he can run through the middle and he underlaps quite a lot for Scotland as we saw in those games um, but I mean Tierney's like a, they're both great players Robertson's not had a great season with Liverpool because Liverpool haven't had a great season but like Robertson is still by far and away like the best player in Scotland. if he was rated on a computer game he'd have the highest average rating <laughs> he'd be the like 85 rated player or whatever um, other way I think you could do it would be because Robertson's like if you ever look at his touches like touch maps for Liverpool games it, it always tends to make him look like he's a, he's basically a winger so he's a, like a left-sided midfielder so you could play him as a left-sided winger or something like that in a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1 something like that and have Tierney as his left-back but then it's another whole position because although Robertson knows his defensive positioning he doesn't know the attacking places even though he spends most of the game Actually, as a forward, like there was par- parts of the game against the Pharaohs where Robertson was like a striker in the middle of the box. Even like, Tierney himself was like, yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was like bombing forward. And you're like a left centre back, mate. Come down. You can do that against those teams, I suppose. It's yeah. Uh, I, I get the argument. But, I mean, you, you just have to be able to play them. It's it's unfortunate, but you can't put one of them on the right or something like that. The way you could do it is because. Like Robertson touches the ball so often in the opposition half of Liverpool. Like, um, I can't remember who was saying to me, David Watherston, that ex-player, was saying that it would be a different. It's a different position. The, the way you receive the ball is um, is different, and then you've. Like, it's just a different position, basically. So it's it's mm. not as easy as just moving him to a to a winger, even though that is basically what he is. I don't know. Well, yeah, and, and the fact that you know it's not like we're ever going to drop Robertson. He is the captain of the team, after all. Um, special shout for for I think John McGinn, um, the meatball master, definitely uh, is such a player for Scotland. It's unreal. Plays such more of a defensive role for Aston Villa, but he's scored nine goals for Scotland now since Steve Clark was appointed, which is absolutely class. Um, and just a, a final note on Shea Adams. I thought he really did well uh, coming in. Got his first Scotland cap, got his first Scotland goal. Um, and Radio Clyde's Andrew McLean pointed out that Scotland had scored seven goals with Adams on the pitch during the international break and zero goals in the 99 minutes that Adams wasn't on the pitch. What do you wow. guys think of his performance? I'm not the biggest Shea Adams fan. I think that's um, for all I'm to only see. asking you about his, his performance, like, not, he not did, his inclusion. He did, he did well. He did well. Obviously, the stats look good. The stats, I always say this, the stats can be manipulated any way you want. We also scored seven goals when Andy Robertson was on the pitch. And it's the way you look at you can you can twist it any way you want. I think he did well. Um, I, again, wouldn't want him in ahead of the likes of um, London Dykes, but I think it was interesting to see how the two paired up together. Um, in the game against Faroe Islands. So there's definitely positivity there. I thought he took his goal excellently. His little touch, the little roll in the ball was sublime um, before finishing it. So it was really nice to see. Um, and just a wee note on John McGinn as well before we move on. Um, he's now into double figures in t- total for Scotland, which is, he's only one of 50, I think it's 15 players to have ever done it in the history of the national team, <laughs> which I think is a, a remarkably low number 
of players that have scored double figures, but full credit to him because he had a great international break. I loved his um, post-match interview where he described taking the ball on the napper and then called for Sturgeon to let fans into Hamden. I was just sitting there very, very proud. <laughs> Shay Adams, though, I thought he's, I thought he was great. And um, he, I think you can see, like Laura's saying, on his, his movement and there's just little things he does that clearly put him a, a level above a player like Lyndon Dykes, I would say. Um, you can tell that he's just a different kind of... He's just a different level. Uh, although, like, I don't know if you saw Southampton play against Burnley on, um, on I think it was Sunday, was it Saturday? It was one of the Saturday, I think it was. Uh, Adams missed a 1v1 running straight through clear on goal. So he's capable of doing that too. But he, uh, yeah, I think he's clearly a very good striker who is still developing. And once he kind of figures out what, what he is, I think he'll be really, really useful for us. Okay, coming up, the return of the Scottish Cup. But let's start with how for now. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Yes, it looks like Eddie Howe will soon be named the new Celtic manager. In fact, it might even have happened by the time you're listening to this podcast. Howe has been out of work since leaving relegated Bournemouth at the end of last season. He was in charge at the Vitality Stadium for more than 450 games across two spells spanning more than a decade. He guided them to three promotions in six seasons. And we're joined now, delighted to be joined now, by the Athletics' Peter Rutzler, who covered Howe's last season at Bournemouth. And Peter, is, is this the kind of job that, that Eddie has always coveted? Uh, I think it's, it's difficult to say what he's always coveted. I think it's always been known that he would go on to bigger and better things than Bournemouth, and that's no disrespect to Bournemouth, of course. But um, I think even among the, the players he, he worked with and, and those he brought through with him up the leagues, there was always a sense that he's he's destined for, for something greater. Um, I think in terms of the challenge, um, a club like Celtic is, is what he what he will thrive in, I think. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, you know, Celtic's a big club. And I think for how there's always been that underlying drive and ambition. And what's been, what's been difficult, of course, is his attachment to Bournemouth has been so, um, so long-standing. It's, it's part of him, really, the club. You know, he, he, he joined the club as a youngster, came through the academy, captained it at 21. You know, uh, when he left, he got injured twice at Portsmouth and the fans club together to buy him back. And, and that, that tie and that link was a really difficult one to sever. Um, but now that that's happened, you know, the, that underlying sense of fulfilling what he probably couldn't do in his career, um, uh, his playing career, um, has, is coming to the fore now. And, you know, Celtic seems like a, a good step for him. It's quite, it's, I mean, it's a massive jump, like going from Bournemouth to, to Celtic, especially with the pressures and demands of it. And um, I don't know what you, what you thought went wrong at Bournemouth or whether you think it just fizzled out naturally or if, if he's ready for it even. I think he is ready for it. I, I, you know, I think one of the the things that's always mentioned is whether he stayed too long, and I think maybe there's an element of that. But um, looking at last season, I think there are a couple of things that that really sort of hurt Bournemouth. Um, I mean, they started the season very well. You know, they've got a, they had a good, exciting young squad. They still had Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser, Fraser together. Uh, David Brooks had come in, but. You know, Brooks was injured for the entire season. Uh, Fraser had his contract worries uh, hanging over him all year, was not the same player. Um, and I think underlying everything were those injuries. And, um, 
you know, there were times in, especially over the winter period, where Bournemouth's injury list would be about nine or ten players each week. How two had tried to change the tactical setup. You know, Bournemouth were known for their gung ho attacking football, really progressive front foot pressing, and they'd moved away from that. And that those changes, those injuries, and, and everything else together, from Fraser to, to Brooks missing, it, you know, it all played a big part in, in the fine margins of uh, the Premier League. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, what do you think? Uh, like, like, what's made Celtic attracted to Eddie Howe in particular? There's an exciting challenge there. You know, we've got Steven Gerrard overseeing a, a renewed Rangers. Uh, he'll want to go head toe to toe with him. He, he will want to go into Europe. He'll want to test himself on on the biggest stages. Uh, and Celtic offer all of that. And you know, there's the the frameworks there. There's a there's a history of attacking progressive football. Uh, it ticks a lot of boxes for him. And you know, as I said, uh, as I said earlier, you know, there is that drive and ambition to to go as far as he can in the game. And, you know, when, when the opportunity presents itself at a club like Celtic, where he can take that next step, because, because you know, Bournemouth are a small club and it, it got to a point, you know, where he maybe couldn't take that step from Bournemouth to a, a, a top six Premier League club or, or even a top eight, top ten. Um, you know, Celtic offers you know a really good opportunity to, to build a team, build a young team and, 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 and mould it in his, in his own in his own likeness, really. Do you think he's he's got the, the character to be a Celtic manager? Like he, he is quite well mannered, but do you think he's got what it takes to be in this goldfish bowl of Glasgow and and cope with the pressures of that? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, in terms of coping with pressure, I, I think he I think he'll thrive under that. Um, you know, I, I guess it's a completely new challenge. It's a different type of pressure, absolutely, in terms of the scrutiny and the focus. I don't think he'll be used to that. Because that just wasn't the same with Bournemouth. It's, it's it's a completely different environment. But in terms of the the playing side pressures, um, I don't I don't think you know it was a long time ago. But his first his first stint in management, I think he he goes back to that all the time uh, when he took over as a you know a thirty one year old trying to save his club from dropping out of the football league. Um, you know they they started that season on minus seventeen points, and you know if they dropped out of the league, they would have gone bust. And, you know that's his club as well. It wasn't just any club club he came through as a player a club that means everything to him and I think that's that will form a key part uh, of, of dealing with the pressures that come with Celtic but you know of course that said this is a new challenge and how he adapts to it will be interesting I don't think you're going to get a sort of excitable manager on the touchline that's just not how he is he's a very controlled uh, keeps his emotions in check type, type type of person and very well spoken he is that sort of well well mannered um manager and um but I think that that serves him well, and that's that's what's helped him to 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 not get too high with the highs and too low with the lows, and, and during his time at Bournemouth, and that that could probably be a good thing coming into coming into Celtic. I think I was just going to ask one more question about about how's character, you know, behind the scenes, because I think a lot of Celtic fans are maybe concerned of a manager coming in who would be too weak to challenge the board, and I just wonder if how would be one that would want things his way rather than going with you know, what he's being told to do. I, that's the thing. So obviously there's the the out, outward projection of a very mild manners. You know, sometimes he's, he, the rider's been you know, almost like a school teacher sort of appearance. You know, he seems quite friendly. Um, but speak to any of his players and there is there are two sides to Eddie Howe. Um, he can be very, very ruthless. And you, you can't take a team like Bournemouth from the fourth tier to the Premier League without having to make some very tough decisions and telling some hard truths and... Um, I think that that side to his character will, st- will will serve him well, and I think in terms of managing upwards, I I, I think 
you know, at Bournemouth, it was his kingdom, really. It was everything was, was through him. And he'll want to try and regain as much control as he did at Bournemouth, I'd imagine, as, as he can at, at Celtic. Um, and for him, it's, it's his way or the highway for, for players, especially, you know, if you don't buy into what he wants to do, then you're not going to be part of what of, of, of his project. Um, if, you, if, he, if you're with him, you know, he'll 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 back you to the hilt. That's what, that's what most of his performer players tell you. But if you're not, then then you've got no place in, 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 a, in an Eddie Howe side. So there's definitely two sides to him. There's a real ruthless streak. I mean, you, you look back at some of the some of some of the players that sort of didn't quite make it. I think Brett Pittman was one. He was there with him from the start in League Two, promotion from the Championship, but then was told in the when he got to the Premier League, he said, "Look, I, I don't think I've got a role for you here." Didn't play in the Premier League in the end, and then Mark Pugh, another a club legend at Bournemouth, um, comes towards the end of his contract. He felt as fit as he'd ever done, but Eddie Howe turned to him and said, "Look, I, I don't think there's a place for you here," um, and didn't renew his contract. So there is definitely a hard side to him, uh, a ruthless side to him that you know will will really. Really, well, you'll need it. You'll absolutely need it at Celtic. Great to speak to Peter there. And um, just a, amongst ourselves now, JJ and Laura, a lot of social media reaction uh, comparing Eddie Howe uh, to Brendan Rogers. Um, but are, are they similar, JJ? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think Brendan Rogers is one of the most like highly regarded managers in like, European football, genuinely. And he was part of this whole breed of new man- uh, new coaches who came through who coached in that kind of Jose Mourinho way like he, he worked at Chelsea under Mourinho he was, yeah. like he was be- always been highly thought of and is clearly a very good manager he also took Liverpool to nearly winning the title um, which is very hard to do I think how he basically did like a real life football manager job taking Bournemouth up to the Premier League but then the way they played it was very like they were very predictable his, I think his record in the transfer market was not good one of the things he did very well, which Celtic can look at, is he took players like Simon Francis and, and uh, Steve Cook, and they when they were playing lower league, and he made them decent Premier League players, but not so good they didn't end up getting relegated in the end. And uh, some of the players he bought for a lot of money, people like Jordan Ibe, just I mean he maybe saw potential in them, but I don't think he really got an awful lot out of them. They were backed by quite a wealthy chairman or owner, whatever it was, um, when they were coming up through the leagues, and they spent quite a bit of money relative to other clubs. Mostly on wages, I think it was. But I mean, the, the season they got promoted, they only spent something like three million for the championship. I mean, when they spent three million on um, Callum Wilson, which is obviously quite a good buy. But I just don't think. Uh, to know, I, I, like Peter was saying, he, he he thinks he's ready for this uh, this big job at Celtic. But it, I mean, it's really, really massive. It's like a huge, huge, very different breed of club to Bournemouth. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, like you said about how his transfer record hasn't been that good. I mean, I've I've heard that he wants to bring up. Richard Hughes as the director of football at Celtic, someone who was who was with him at Bournemouth, and and it will be his job, um, to kind of, well, stack up the the benches with some good players, um, for Celtic. So, and there's a couple of how stats we've got, and some that contradict the the story of of him being an attacking football coach. Uh, since 2003, when Opta started compiling stats. The only home side to have ever failed to have a single shot in a Premier League game was his Bournemouth team against Man City in 2019. But that that's Man City. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but last season, uh, Bournemouth against Burnley was the game that produced the fewest shots in Premier League history, uh, which was just five between the two teams. So it's, it's one of those things that I think, Eddie Howe, like you heard from Peter... I've heard very similar. He is a ruthless coach, and I've I've friends of mine who are concerned that he might be a weak manager. He's certainly not that. 
Um, he's certainly someone who who will cut players down to size if he needs to. He does have a ruthless streak, and um, I think that'll be in, an interesting uh, combination when you think of the Celtic board potentially in the past giving jobs to the boys, i.e. Neil Lennon. I think this will be an interesting couple of months if he comes in, uh, if he turns this team and this club into into his sort of uh, his sort of image. Laura. I'm just going to pull you back to what you were talking about with Richard Hughes here, um, as he's been kind of talked about as director of football. Do you not think it's kind of strange that if this does happen, if this does unfold to, to happen like this, is it not a bit strange that a manager appoints a director of football? Should it not be the other way around? It, it kind of feels like to me that the director of football is hired um, to to kind of set the philosophy of the club and the, the, the mantra of the club. And then he helps appoint the manager to fit into that. And, and not vice versa. I think maybe in response to that, it might. It's one of those things where in discussions, maybe maybe Eddie Howe has said, "I will I will come. I'll join Celtic if I can have Richard Hughes." So it's part of the the negotiation tactics, and that that would have been the job of Peter Lowell and Dominic Mackay, the new incoming chief executive. I can um, so understand. I can only imagine. Reason. Yeah, I can yeah, only I can, imagine. I can completely but understand. Right. But it seems like it's a short term solution because. Then when, months, years down the line, when Eddie Howe's time's up, then his director of football is also up. But it shouldn't be like that. The director of football should be there regardless of who's in charge of the team. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It might, I'm sure, you'd hope, you'd surely assume that the club has thought, right, this is what we want to go, this is our long, this is our short-term, mid-term and long-term objectives. This guy, uh, we get Howe and Hughes in, and Hughes can be the one that can then make sure that they maintain that style of play going forward. So we don't know if Eddie Howe might already be installed as the new Celtic manager as we record this, but we don't know if he's even going to walk into the dugout straight away. This could be end of the season, potentially. It would be very difficult for him to come in now, JJ, with the amount of fixtures that they've got, big fixtures coming up as well, because, I mean, he's got to play Rangers um, in the Scottish Cup as well. Uh, I'm speaking as if he's already taken the job. I know, he's, he's to- not confirmed yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but obviously Celtic progressing uh, to the next round via 3-0 win over Falkirk and they've drawn Rangers out of the hat. So Eddie Howe's potential next fixture list is a really difficult one to, to set his stall out. Uh, yeah, but uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good that James Forrest is back scoring. He's a lovely player, and I uh, really, really hope he's like fit and ready for the Euros because he'll be like having that pace and width. Um, for the, especially the way that Clark was to play, it'll be so important. Like, uh, really, yeah. do you think we've missed him? Yeah, I think James Forrest is a great player. Yeah, I, I, just is having he a great that, player for Celtic or is he a great player for Scotland? I think he's done well for Scotland. Like, he just gives you something a bit different. I don't know, especially on the right. Like you need that if you play him as a as a right winger. I think it's really useful. You could even play him at right wing back. Like you can do that. I think it'd be very harsh on whoever misses out at James Forrest's expense, considering O'Donnell, he's barely, think, it? Yeah. He's, well, well, no, because O'Donnell's more of a right back. That's what I mean. Um, but, you, but you'd play Forrest at right wing back in that system. Um, Potentially, I mean, Ryan Christie's uh, also played in that right side of a front three. If Forrest was going to be be deployed in that area, yeah, you got the Christie yeah, there, I, and then Christie's left footed. Let's go there. Well, no, because at least at least O'Donnell can track back and, and defend. I don't think Forrest is, is really kind of well, got that. Yeah. To him. But I, I just I think it's harsh for Forrest has missed out a whole season essentially. Um he's also missed out on some very big games, including qualification. Um I think it would be very harsh on whoever misses out 
at his expense because come on James Forrest has not got the best track record when it comes to Scotland absolutely fantastic player for Celtic I really really like him as a player for Celtic he's so talented which makes it even more frustrating when he pulls on a Scotland Mm. strip for me because he just doesn't really do it and I just don't really feel like he's done enough to justify his place yeah I, I think we're harsh well, he, he did score against Falkirk and he is back amongst the Celtic team. So, I mean, for him, yeah, hopefully he does come back uh, in good form. But it hasn't been a good season for Celtic. Um, but I suppose they could still win a fifth Scottish Cup in a row, which I don't think has been done before. However, they do travel to, like I said, travel to Ibrox in the next round. And we're going to discuss how Rangers got on next. Four, four, ten. The Masters at Augusta, and Paddy Power are paying even more places than usual, so you get money on your each-way bet if your golfer finishes in the top ten places. That's right, the top ten. Paddy Power. Online exclusive. Pre-tournament each-way bets on winner market at one-fifth odds. Dead heat rules and T's and C's apply. 18plusbegambleaware.org. Shh, you too. Oh, sorry. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. It was Rangers v Rangers, really, um, but Cove Rangers, uh, which was an intriguing tie on paper. Stephen Gerrard's side wrapped it up though in the first half with four goals without reply. 28 shots to one. Fairly convincing this one. Probably the biggest game in Cove Rangers history, to be fair, JJ, but one of the standout performers, Scott Wright. Man of the match performance, I think. I really rate right highly. I think it's a good move from there. Hopefully, he's, he's getting starts now in the cups. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you expected Cove to really do here. And you see, like, Jermaine Defoe lining up against Cove Rangers. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what are you supposed to do? You've got Mitch Megginson up front. Uh, Fraser Fivey, that's where he is, in case you're wondering. Fraser Fivey's been at Cove this whole time. I think he's trying to work at Aberdeen Football Club now as well, like, as a coach. Um, yeah. Like, Rangers is just. They're better than every team in the Premiership, let alone Cove Rangers, so it is well to keep it to four even. Paul Hartley yeah. looked particularly happy on the on the bench watching this. <laughs> when does Paul Hartley ever look happy? Uh, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this one was interesting that um, Patterson got to play. Uh, so Rangers appealed the SFA COVID ban for mm, the, was it four, yeah. five, five players um, that went happened a few months, weeks ago? I can't remember, so yes, I'm kind of yes, blending yes. it into one just now. Um, so they've appealed this. And the reason that Gerard gave, quite surprisingly honest, was because he doesn't think that Patterson should miss out because he's a future Scotland potential <laughs> player. Um, and he thinks it's unfair that he is uh, missing games as a result. Um, I think this one's interesting because you can see it in two different sides of this argument. I think if a player does something wrong, you can't claim that he doesn't get punished because he is a good footballer. <laughs> You don't see you don't see a player getting a red card and you go, well, we don't want him to miss the next game because he's a good player. We, we need him. But at the same time, they've been clever with the rules. They're allowed to appeal something. They know that he will then be available. And right now with Tavernier still out, they're taking advantage of that to get this young player into their team and benefit in that position. So 
there's kind of a, I can see both sides of this argument here. Um, I think Rangers have been quite sneaky and quite clever with this one. Was Jared's point not more that he thinks the individual circumstances were slightly different between what Patterson was guilty of and compared to certain other players? Like I think you used Jordan Jones as an example, and that's more what he was saying. Like it's the punishment should maybe be lighter on him, maybe because he's younger or something it, like that. Maybe let him. Yeah, you know. he he did mention age as well. I think. Um, look, what happened with Jordan Jones and what was it? Edmondson was there a player? Yes, Jordan Jones. Um, they got more games. They got seven. I think it was seven games they got banned for. Whereas these players have got four with a suspension of two extra ones. So it's a smaller punishment. Yeah, I think you do need to take into consideration their age. They're, they are younger. Well, Zunga's not. I think he's much older than the rest of them. But in general, they're, they're younger boys. Look, I think I, I'm kind of being clear over time saying like I don't think it's fair that football is subjected to so many strict punishments in terms of COVID compared to other industries. If you get five Tesco workers that go to a house party on a Saturday night, you don't punish Tesco. <laughs> um, you don't punish that shop individually. It's an in-house thing. Maybe they would get disciplinary action from their manager. And I think it should be an in-house thing in football as well. It should be their club to do it and, and not the SFA. So there's different arguments there that they deserve less of a punishment because of their age and the circumstances. Look, I think Rangers have been clever here. And, and fair play to them. They've, they've played within the rules to get what they want. I'm a big fan of any analogies that have to do with football in Tesco, genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> they work we'll, well. Yeah, sponsorships very soon. Uh, just a uh, special mention for Jermaine Defoe. I don't know if you saw, but uh, he has now scored in every calendar year since the One turn of the century. One million goals. Uh, not a million goals, oh. but um, this was his 30th and only his 67th cap for Rangers. He's 38 years cap. old. It's, oh, did I say cap? <laughs> Can you imagine sure. if you got caps for just club games? <laughs> a, full, a full room. Yeah. <laughs> like one of these wardrobes that you close and you, bit, you can't ever open it again. Yes, I meant to say appearance, not appearance. Um, but I mean, what an impressive start from, from a guy who's 38 and he comes in, he's averaging a goal every 106 minutes. It's just impressive. He's such a good player, man. And not just on the field when he does come in, but he must be a, so important to the team in the background, in, in the dugout, and in, 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 in the changing room. I'm so impressed with him. Um, but uh, I can tell. I just thought I'd give some default love. Really nice, yeah. It's lovely. Yeah. Uh, what about Hibs? They've made their way into the into round four. An impressive second half display against Queen of the South, I have to say. Um, they won 3 1 on the night. I'm still uh, kicking the wall because Dobie missed an absolute sitter. But Marvin Bartley on BBC described the second half performance as devastating. Uh, it was a huge second half performance from Hibbs. They changed the entire pace of the game in the second mm. half. They, they, I think they changed it from they kind of played the ball to feet more, it completely ripped Queen of the South apart. The, the, the quality just improved in general, never really allowed Queens to get close to them, um, which can I just completely change the first 45. I think the, Queen, the Queens have like a lot of quality there, but just not enough to take on a Premiership side right now. I think it just kind of showed the gulf, which mm. kind of says to me that they're savvy enough to probably get to the playoffs, but probably not all the way to make the step up. I wonder if Christian Doidge is a good shout now for fantasy football, get him in because of all the goals he's getting. He went ages without scoring, was it 15 games in a row? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now three <laughs> in two games, three whole goals. He's on fire. Mm. <laughs> JJ Aberdeen avoided an upset with a late winner at League One Dumbarton on Saturday. Thank God for Callum Hendry, eh? 
Yes. Uh, it's a lovely little goal you scored there. The, the Bumbarton Stadium is really pretty. With the did you say Bumbarton? <laughs> I don't think I did. I definitely <laughs> meant to say Bumbarton. The, the stadium it looks so nice. Like the the ground around it, it was very picturesque. Uh, picturesque. Yeah, but there's another thing. So Aberdeen again struggling to really create big opportunities. Bumbarton didn't do badly either. <laughs> yeah, like it could have easily gone wrong. Um, and I think what's really interesting, we mentioned at the start of the, sh- of the show, uh, Alan Russell joining is a big deal. Like, he is mm. an elite-level coach. He, so if anyone doesn't know who this guy is, um, he is a sexy man. But he also uh, works with England. He's a striker coach, so he works specifically with strikers on movement, positioning, um, how to get the ball quick to get their feet, shooting. Like, there's a lot of different drills that all coaches will do. Any attacking coach will do different drills to strikers. But this guy's specific just to try and be able to better take advantage of those bits. And you work with players like Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling. So when he gets to turn up and he's got Callum Hendry and Bruce Anderson there, it's going to be a, a slight deviation to what he's used to. Uh, he was also, JJ, he was pivotal in Andre Gray's move to um, Burnley, I think it was, 15 million he ended up going there from, from Brentford. But he was in non-league at Luton Town, got promoted out of the National League, um, and and Russell was his personal like striking coach. Is that right? Um, yeah. So he's he's he does like you know he did do little bits on the side for for individual players. So he was he was sought after. He's been sought after for a long time. Um. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. It's just good having that. Att- I mean, I've been saying for ages that like most of the season I think we needed uh, Aberdeen needed an attacking coaching, and sure enough, they've got Glass put in the structure. They've got um, Scott Brown. I can't believe that's happened coming in the end of the season. <laughs> And uh, and you've got Alan Russell, like a proper elite level coach. That's like a really good bit in charge. And players will want to go and will want to go there. They've got lovely training uh, facilities. It's a big club. Uh, potential to finish third every year. <laughs> and uh, yeah, in Russell, you've got great coaches. Now, the one thing they have is that there's no like strikers that are in contract at Aberdeen. Basically, I think Anderson's the only one when he comes back from his loan at Hamilton because you've got Kimberly and Hendry are both on loan, and obviously Cosgrove disappeared. So. Yeah, well, Aberdeen. I've got Livingston in the next round, um, and Livingston needs extra time to beat Championship side Wraith Rovers. So, to be fair, Wraith Rovers are a good shout for for the playoffs. If not, they they tried to push Hearts as close as they could, but only two wins in nine for Livingston. Another team, you know, who we know have have struggled ever since the the League Cup final against St Johnston. Um, but Motherwell, Laura, uh, you guys made the trip to Pitt Medden to watch the Steelman Steamroller Island League side. Um, of. Aye, Pitt Medden. <laughs> Is that your accent? Bonnie place. You're not. You, you live quite close to Pitt Medden, don't you, JJ? Uh, or you did? I'm from a place called Old Meldrum, which is uh, just down, down the road. Aye. <laughs> just in the road. Um, well, for, for Martin United were the hosts, um, but they lost 5 0. Good game, Laura, was it? It was, it was a professional performance. It was just a kind of routine. I think the for Martin really kind of set up to be difficult at the start kind of frustrating um, but once the floodgates once the first goal went in the floodgates opened really um, and it was kind of one way traffic after that great routine win um, nice just to kind of get goals um, it was a full strength team so to kind of score five goals it's just kind of nice for confidence wise and, and kind of the atmosphere around the place when things have not been kind of going well in the league to kind of get that as a nice little booster in the cup um, and also just kind of we see the path now like through the, the next rounds and it really kind of gives some sort of life to the competition because you can kind of see your route. You can see your route to Hamden 
Yeah, you've got Morton, Laura. Like, can we see Motherwell at Hampton? <laughs> well, Morton and then Hibs in the next round if we can get past Morton. Look, it's it's a realistic target. I, I, I don't think anyone, especially with Celtic Rangers meeting each other um, this early in the competition, I really don't think anyone can say it, it can't happen. I don't think anyone should write it off. It's an exciting time. Um, unfortunate that it's the, the one season where fans can't see us <laughs> any team win the competition so it's like a wee bit of a regret in that sense when you're you're looking forward but who who would never who would ever turn down a trip to Hamden have you have you filmed thing? there before have you filmed there before with um Brian? I actually filmed there my first ever time filming with Motherwell was the last time they were in the semi-final of the Betfred Cup wow. when they got to the final beat Aberdeen and it was incredible because I got to go on the pitch with the players full time celebrating in front of the fans and it's like your dream, isn't it? To me, that was... I'd never done it with Motherwell before, so it was a bit daunting in that sense, but to be in the Hamden Hallowed Turf, I was like, properly like a star. <laughs> like, <laughs> caught in the, the rabbit like caught in the headlights. Played. I was kind of looking at the goal, like, oh my God, so much has happened at that goal. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was great. I'd like to do it. I'd like to go back now with the experience I've got now um, and knowing the players better as well, um, to have that sort of, those sort of memories this season would be really special. Did, uh, did Devante Cole hit a boy up a tree? There was a tweet <laughs> during this game. Did that happen? It was oh, off a volley. So he he did send a ball out towards a tree. Um, I didn't personally see it if it hit someone, but there was someone in the tree who did eventually catch the ball and throw it back. So I don't know if it trickled down the branches or it actually it hit him or not, but it did go into a tree with a person in it. Um, I, I, th- that was a thing there, there were actually fans dotted around outside the fencing kind of in various places around the ground do you know what it was lovely just to, to see little heads poking over the top of the fence um, all ages <laughs> there was like a wee boy behind me who must have been about five years old and there was a lovely shot I got of him just kind of peering over all you could see is his eyes looking over and then at the other side there was an old man in his bonnet with his t- can of tenants just standing on his own watching the game I think I saw that guy it, it was a lovely <laughs> shot and then they did a few younger um, fans, teenagers, on top of them, um, like a, I don't know if it was like an electricity box or something, some sort of box they were sitting on. And at the end, they were all singing full volume for the fans to come over and clap them. And to be honest, you know what? It was absolutely lovely um, just to kind of get that atmosphere back again. It, it felt like last season Aww. again. It was really nice. And, and Graham Alexander was saying it full time. He's never heard fans. Like he's never experienced Motherwell fans. <laughs> um, so it was really nice for him <laughs> to actually hear supporters <laughs> for a change because he only came in in January. So I'll new to some of them really yeah nice. well you've got you've got morton like i said in the next round and morton they were seconds away from going out at east fife but sean mcginty um scored a stoppage time penalty to level it and then robbie muirhead won it in extra time and had a lovely goal um as well individual effort um but shall we talk about uh hamilton maybe we shouldn't i mean it's only hamilton after all isn't it right <laughs> only joking brian because he's a big fan of the show uh he went nuts <laughs> yeah, he wasn't happy, was he? I love this. First 20 minutes, 25 minutes, St Myrna would be far the better team. The rest of the game, we dominated. News, you'll never write that because we're Hamilton. My opinion. My opinion. You'll never write that because we're <laughs> Sorry, we're Hamilton. I want my boys to get credit. We could beat 3 nothing. It's never 3 nothing. No in a million years. We're getting no credit for nothing. Didn't ask me. I don't know what a penalty is these days. I know every time somebody falls in their box, it's a penalty. So I don't know what a penalty is. I saw the same referee the day at Dumbarton. No gave Dumbarton a penalty, but gave a penalty here for less. There, that's what I saw. And I'm not shouting at these lads. It's just because I'm angry. Because we're getting nothing. 
absolutely nothing. And I'm fed up phoning Crawford Allen and being shoved to the side because we're only ham. <laughs> it's oh, so good. It's the bangs on the table for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's also the bit, the end when he says that like, I'm no shouting at you lads. Can't just say I'll turn a wee bit. But then gets stuck back in. You know, there's that scene from that movie. I can't remember what the movie's called. Alec Baldwin comes in. He's in it for like two minutes, and he does this whole bit about like you make the sale, that kind of thing. It's like one of those monologues that you get like loads of like <laughs> actor uh, students will then be good trying to learn how to do that bit by Brian Rice. He's absolutely right as well when he talks about that Dumbarton penalty claim. Because, uh, yeah, he's, it, it, Hamilton should have got a penalty. Uh, Jim Goodwin also agreed, to be fair, with, with Brian Rice that it was... Oh, you're not going to disagree with him like that, are you? <laughs> 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 you windmilled into outer space. <laughs> yeah, like, he's, he's, he's got a point. Like, he, it's always going to hurt going out the cop, especially when the scoreline doesn't reflect the performance. Oh, yeah. um, and he is right to an certain extent as well. If it doesn't happen at Celtic Rangers, it doesn't get the coverage it sometimes deserves. Um mm-hmm. So, but I think that happens across the board. I don't, I don't think it's just a Hamilton thing. Um, I think that's kind of the non-old firm thing. Um, and I I do not think it's fair to kind of say that the refs are out to get Hamilton. You've heard pretty much every manager come out at some point this season and complain about refereeing decisions. It's it's happened. Like, it's happened here at Motherwell. It's happened at Submarine. It's happened at Hibs. We heard... Yeah. It's been awful oh, for ages, isn't we've it? We've <laughs> heard Partick Thistle, um, E. McCall complaining about the decision, which I guess we'll get on to eventually when we talk about their game. But again, he had a problem with the referee at the weekend. Managers across the board have problems with the referees. Whether that merits a bigger discussion um, over the, the kind of quality of the referee in this country and whether they need to be full-time or whatever, that, that's a whole different argument. But for Brian Rice, look, he's emotional. It was immediately after the game. You can completely understand where he's coming from, but... In the cold light of day, on reflection, the refs did not have it in for Hamilton. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. JJ, you did say actually that uh, Jim Goodwin wasn't going to disagree with with Brian Rice because his his head might fly off, and maybe his head did fly off. Have you seen uh, this? Uh, yes, well, in the Zoom post what was it post match pre match? I can't remember which one it was, but uh, I think yeah. it was a pre it was a pre match press conference. How does this even it, happen with the green screen glitch? Cause, like, I have it, no cause idea. Because it, it keys like, it's easy to key it out. It's the whole point. How does it key out his head? I don't understand how that's happened. Uh, Laura, have you you must set up these press conferences. For we we actually no we we do our own press conferences still in person. We don't do um, Zoom press conferences. So we got a real life um, backdrop <laughs> that thankfully did not cut off anyone's head because that would have yeah. been a bit more of a I serious mean, is, problem. Is Jim Goodwin's face really green? Or... How have they chroma keyed it? I don't understand. Yeah, it makes, yeah. It's, it's such a, great, a perfect loving cut Loving this as technical well. jargon. Judy. It's just such a perfect cut. It's not even like half his shoulder or a bit of his neck. It's, it's a pure perfect cut with his skin. The heedless buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing like if you can look for Jim Goodwin on, on Twitter or somewhere with his head gone it's uh, quite funny uh, but coming up Kyle's having a laugh too we'll look at the rest of the Scottish Cup highlights that was a really worrying time being a Rangers fan not knowing if you'd have a team to support or not the Scottish Football League's only acceptable position will be to place Rangers FC into the third division. It wasn't so much a football match you were involved in as a test of manhood. And with your support along the way, we will get back to where we belong. From the bottom to the top, the journey is over! Rangers are back! It all ended spectacularly 
in Europe when he had an argument with Rangers fans in a bush. It's a huge, huge honour for me to be sat here now to be the manager of Rangers. And, you know, the excitement levels are very difficult to contain at the moment. Drilled by Arfield, Conor Goldson looking to score again! And he has scored again! And Rangers are in such a good place now! Everybody in Scotland was talking about 10 this, at the start of the season and the only number they're now talking about is 55. To get the full story of the fall and rise of Rangers, subscribe now to be on the headline. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Okay, time now to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of our best friend, producer Charlie. Charlie, anybody wanting a break from the Scottish Cup? Tell us about the Premiership. It's back on on Saturday. It is the first weekend since the split. How does Kilmarnock v Ross County take your fancy? We're about Ooh. to mention Killy's goal-scoring exploits. They've won the last two games 4-0 and 4-1. And Killy to win 4-0 or 4-1 is 40-1 to with Paddy Power. <laughs> I'm also struck by St Johnston v Aberdeen. St Johnston's strutting around the top six like they own the place, even though they took their own sweet time to get there. And maybe they're right to feel smug on Saturday because that guy who's been the only one scoring goals for Aberdeen in the last three months, they own him. Callum Hendry is ineligible on Saturday. Guy Milamed is the favourite with Paddy Power to open the scoring at 4-1. to one. The next favourite to be first goal scorer is no goal scorer at 9-2. to two. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh and, and to be fair, he has been on fire this season, particularly in Aberdeen matches. Yes, that wow. is correct. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, you should stop it. Here's Mackay. Away from Larkin. Oh, he's done really well, Mackay. Opens up for him. What a goal from Danny Mackay. A solo effort from the youngster, that is quite superb. The weekend began with a Highland Derby on Friday night uh, and it was Championship Inverness that claimed the bragging rights over Ross County with a 3-1 victory at Dingwall. They've been bragging all day. Yep, Billy Mackay gave the Staggies the lead against his old club but there's a new Mackay in town and he spells his name differently. Yes, 19-year-old Danny with a... Oh, it's a great solo goal, to be fair, um, with Cali Thistle turning it around. I mean, it's it's one of those... Cali Thistle haven't had a great season, but this is going to be one of their highlights of, of, of the past year. Well, what's it? Five wins in a row in all competitions for Inverness now? Uh, what's, what's going on? So Neil McCann's in charge just now because John Robertson's on compassionate leave. But he's, yes. just, he's just covering for a little bit, right? So he's not... Yeah, so John John Robertson's um, it's bereavement is uh, is the is the reason. Um, so Neil McCann, whose pals were John, um, has came in. And I think this is interesting as well. Like um, we'd kind of talked about briefly about you kind of forget that managers are humans as well, and they kind of go through this and they need a, mm. a break. Um, I don't know how long John Robertson's going to be off for, but to be honest, fair play to to Inverness for for giving him the time he needs. 
I find this a really interesting topic. I think um, there was an article in The Athletic at the weekend um, about what it's like to really work for a club. Um, I don't know if you saw it. It was, it was specialising on sports scientist department more than anything, but to be honest, it, it kind of applies across the board. It was wildly accurate, regardless of what department you're in. Um, if you can check it out, I think it's really interesting. It kind of discusses how you work pretty much like a, a 60, 60 plus hour week um, and you you don't really have a life outside of football and everything is consumed by the team, the club. Um, even when you, you go home at night, you, you, you take your work home. You, you don't switch off. Um, and it's it was kind of alluding to why it's a kind of young person's game. Um, when everyone, when they kind of get to a certain age or a certain stage in their life, when they kind of have a family and settle down, they kind of they break away from football in a way. Um, and it, it's more for the kind of younger generations. So I just think... It, it, it kind of ties back into this kind of bereavement thing. Um, there's a topic at Kelly Thistle just now because it just kind of shows that there there is a very much a stigma in the game where if you're not seen by the club and you're not in, you're not seen to be working. So I, th- I just I think it's nice that the Inverness have kind of kind of challenged that stigma in a way. Uh, kind of what we've seen in the past with them, um, obviously like the the kind of players that have suffered mental health issues and the, the clubs have given them time off. It's, it's kind of a similar kind of feel to that where these the, the Inverness have just kind of given John Robertson the time he needs and went, look, we're not going to push it. Take what you need. Um, and it's, it's very unusual in football to find that sort of human element to it, I think. Well said, Laura. We, we've actually seen something similar in Italy with Fiorentina, uh, Cesar Prandelli. Um, and sometimes, yeah, we do forget that managers are, are human and I think that article you're referring to it's called the reality of working behind the scenes at a football club by by Adam Crafton um, so if anyone's interested in that yeah definitely worth it a read um, let's look at Partick Thistle who looked like they were going to be upsetting Dundee United but two late goals uh, from Lauren Shankland and Nicky Clark turned the tie at Tannadice for the Tangerines a Tangerine dream Ian McCall said that Ryan Edwards had punched Brian Graham was this off the camera? I haven't seen this incident. Yeah, so apparently um, it was off the ball and broadcast don't have it. There's no one on camera that's got it. But um, a goalie coach apparently and the assistant saw it. Uh, I don't know the, the full details of it, but apparently there was a swing. There was a punch in some variety, uh, which coupled with the, the foul that in the, the lead up to Dundee United's winner. I think it's a bit of a, a signal for Thistle. Um to, to have led for so long and played so well in this game and to kind of lose two late goals in the way they did uh, with the kind of refereeing decisions that went against them. I think it's maybe a wee bit hard for them. Is this the, the 100th year anniversary of Thistle winning the cup as well? Um, I think it's either the 50th anniversary or the 100th year anniversary. Apologies for not... Um, I know that's a big difference. <laughs> but they, they brought this commemorative strip um, to mark the, the anniversary. Only got to wear it for one game, but lovely strip as it is. Um, I just think this is this will be a hard one for them to take. I think the manner in which they lost it will be tough for them. Yeah, you're right, Laura. It is the, uh, the 100th year anniversary. Interesting. Um, Kyle Lafferty has continued a, a pretty good start at Kilmarnock. He's got a hat-trick in their 4-0 win against Stenhouse Muir. He's got two assists and six goals after four starts. A player making the difference that was required, Laura. Yeah, um, possibly a slow start in terms of, well, more Tommy Wright than, than Lafferty himself, but both have really came into themselves and came into a game at, at Kelly. Um, took a wee bit of time to settle. But to be honest, I think we all saw 
where it was going. I think we all had the kind of idea that Tommy Wright was going to click and Kyle Lafferty was going to click. And I think what well Kyle Lafferty in himself is doing well in terms of his goals and his assists, another benefit to the team in general is I think the opposition are putting so much focus on him as an individual that it is then in turn allowing the other players around him to play and, and give them a bit more freedom and space to move around. So in turn, I think Kelly are just being benefiting from strength in general from having him in the team. Um, in terms of Tommy Wright though as well, I, I know he, he kind of struggled the first couple of games, but it's kind of the, the open the floodgates kind of idea again. They kind of get one positive result and it, it just kind of keeps spiralling. It's the, the whole kind of wins breeds confidence mentality. They're building up this momentum and it's coming at just exactly the right time for them. It's going into this relegation battle and they've got, what is it, Ross County up next, which is their chance to, to jump above them and That's get out of this one, playoff yeah. zone. So there's a massive game for them at the weekend to kind of start that that's that run of post-split fixtures um, and I, I think it's coming at just the right time for them as well with that mentality George Oakley scored as well um, get off the bench to score I, think was, I thought he was quite a decent player Oakley when he was at Hamilton I thought he was decent yeah he was decent I, he scored a world day against Aberdeen two years ago as well JJ do you remember that like the, it's like the Van Basten sort of goal where he volleys <laughs> it and it's like, like an impossible angle it's such a good hit oh yeah, yeah great goal um, Broader Rangers uh, looked like continuing their fairy tale. They led Stranraer one 0 with a couple of minutes to go. An awful journey for Stranraer to go from from Stranraer all the way up to Broader. Uh, but Stevie Farrell's side forced an extra time and eventually won by three goals to one. We spoke to Broader boss Steve McKay last week, and they've been awarded the Highland League title despite only playing three games this season. Well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, to be fair, Mackay said himself it's a bit strange and he's not too sure, but uh, it's more of a, uh, you know, it makes up for last season because it looks like they're going to have their playoff tie with Kelty Hearts coming up, which is, it's the right outcome, isn't it? Probably, yeah. I mean, it's quite funny winning a league after three games. Uh, <laughs> it makes sense that now they get to have that playoff. It, the problem is, I mean, all that work and if they, if they just don't get it right in the playoff, do you know? That's yeah. like two years worth of waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah horrible. Uh, the other Highland League side, Fraser Bar, were two one up against Montrose, but Stuart Petrie's side ran out four two winners. But League Two, Stranraer will host Hibs in round four. And quickly moving on to St Johnston, they kept their hopes of a cup double alive with a one 0 win over Championship Dundee at Dens Park in the Tayside Derby. That Charlie Adam missed from the penalty spot. Oh man, I mean, I would have put, I would have put my house on Charlie Adams going from the penalty spot. Um, unlucky, but what a save! What a save from Xander Clark, who who also also gave away the penalty. I don't know what he was thinking. Would you really put your house? Would you bet? Would you bet your entire house on Charlie Adams going from the penalty? If that was like a thing, if that was a th- if you, yeah, if you really yeah. had to do it, yeah, I think yeah, I genuinely think I would put up. And all that happened I own of my house. Is, is if he missed, <laughs> is if he missed, you would have to give up that percentage of the house. And if he scores, you don't get anything. You just get to keep your house. It's only a, it's a ridiculous bet, Slavin. <laughs> yeah. Two more results just to just to round up. Um, that obviously St Johnston will take on Clyde in round four. Um, the League One side upset Championship Air United at Somerset Park. Um, good to see some upsets in this cup. And we've got Forfar Athletic as well. They overcame Edinburgh City on penalties. The Loons host Dundee United in the last 16. All right, I think just before we finish the show, we got some questions in from the lovely Twitter sphere. So, I mean, please send your questions in at the Totally Show. The first one comes from Ardem, or A-R-D-M, who asks, 
Who would you tip to meet Celtic or Rangers in the final? If they get to the final. Can Aberdeen 1-0 their way to the final? Or will there be a surprise package? I mean, Laura, you're going to say the mother are going to reach the final. <laughs> but my, 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 th- my, um, my point was more, the wording of the question was, well, one of the old firm are going out. Um, who's going to be yeah. the other half in the old firm fi- in, the, in, the, in the final? It's like, well, hold on a minute. Um, it's the last 16 rounds, so there's no guaranteeing that the other half of the old firm is going to get through another two rounds to, meet, to make it to the final. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Bit presumptuous. Um, so no, it's, it's all open and it's anyone's cup. I think St Johnston. Yeah, I think so too. I have this <laughs> weird double. feeling. Yeah, like they're just going to do it for some reason. I don't know why. It's just, they must, uh, yeah. It's weird how you can have like a, a totally different league season to your cup season. Like, I remember when <laughs> yeah, Aberdeen yeah, yeah. were dreadful under Rebbe Schofdal and kept reaching finals and semi finals. It was weird. Like, they just kept managing to do it. And I think St Johnston can manage. I mean, they've not had a bad season, obviously. They're top six, so they're doing well. I was, I was interested to know who was the last team outside of Celtic and Rangers to, to win a cup double. Um, so if St Johnston do it, they'll. they'll do what Aberdeen did. It was Aberdeen who did it in 1990. We also got a question from Ryan who asks, what are your guys' minimum and maximum expectations for the Euros for Scotland? <laughs> I mean, Laura, we're going to win it, aren't we? Obviously, yeah. Have you not heard? That is the minimum and maximum <laughs> expectation. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> JJ, bring us down to size. <laughs> um, it would be lucky if we get a point. Uh, I think honestly, a point. I'm not even fussed that I, I, this is going to be such a good laugh. Like being able to watch it with, hopefully, with friends, like in bars. Hopefully, oh yeah. You know, I, t- I'm t- t- so excited to watch the games. Like it's, it's just you know, whenever it's like a shared like bouncy atmosphere. I just yeah. really want that. I don't even care if we get done four nil by everyone. That's the thing. I mean, like we we talk about just reaching the, the tournament. I'm not even thinking about the individual games. I'm glad that really they've, look they've got not no, the England game. It's not my job. It's not my job to think about the opposition. It's all I, of our jobs. It's right now. It is as a fan. It's all about what JJ says. It's the carnival atmosphere. It's the party. It's the the things. It's the getting together with your friends to watch it. We look if we can't get into stadiums, it's gonna be heartbreaking. But as long as we can still be with friends in pubs or fan zones, whatever, um, it's the it's the party for me. It's it's what I've never experienced. Um, so see what happens on the pitch. It's a it's a secondary thing. Um, yeah. It's just about the carnival atmosphere of being at a tournament for me. Um, I'm not even thinking about the actual fixtures itself right now. That's for the players and coaches to worry about. Just I'm in full on fan mode. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, and final question came from Ray McGregor. Who's your non-old firm player of the year? This is a difficult one. I mean, I live in a multiple bubble. Um, I don't think a mother player will be up. For, <laughs> I don't think a mother player will be up for the main player of the year award. Um, it's not been the, the best season for the club, but I can be biased um, from a mother perspective. I think I'm going to look at Tony Watt has been an outstanding performer. Liam Kelly, albeit half a season, has been outstanding as well. What about um, Liam Polworth? Lolworth. Maybe not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because um, I saw that his other half was rather unhappy with Graham Alexander. I mean, Polworth hasn't been played that much since Alexander came in. Um, I'll step in here because I don't think Laura's going to say anything about this one. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, JJ. Yeah. What is his wife is doing some social media things that implied that Graham Alexander is not the greatest manager since Bruce Forsyth and sliced bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, 
in terms of the best player outside the old firm, so like who scored? So their rating system, they have it as Paul Hanlon <laughs> at Hibs. Who's had a good season? Interesting. Um, yeah. I think Ryan Seagrass Dundee United has had a good season. Oh, he has as a yep. goalkeeper. Um, I really like uh, Ross Callaghan. What did I say? It is. It is. Yeah. Did I say uh, Ryan yes, Seagrass? Yeah. <laughs> Please leave that in. I meant Benjamin Segrist. <laughs> not Ryan. Not the American television presenter. I hope that stays in. As the entertainment, just, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my God, what an idiot. Uh, uh, Ross Callaghan at Hamilton thinks it's a good season. And uh, if they if they stay, when they when they finish 10th, he'll be good for that. Um, um, Scott Robinson as well at Levy has been good. Yeah, John Guthrie's um, a good season. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. we'd all been kind of saying Kevin Nisbet as well, if it was based on the first half yeah. of the season. Yeah, He's I agree, the one yeah. that sticks out in my head. He just hasn't played much this second yeah. half. I think Lewis Ferguson a good start to the season, but the second half has been pretty... I think a lot of Aberdeen players have just really gone... This just melted. Mm. Uh, nothing's really gone very well. Yeah, you say Sean Rooney at St Johnson, but only because of the last like couple of months, few months. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like Chris Burke da- had a really good season earlier on in the season. Yeah, there's a lot of good players, a lot of good players. We can't pin it down to one. But I think I think we end it there. Thank you for listening. Thanks, JJ, Laura, and to the Little Kicks for the awesome theme song that you're hearing right now. Uh, thanks for Peter as well for joining us from The Athletic. We'll be back next Tuesday. Have a great week. Stay safe, and we'll see you then. You've been listening to The Totally Scottish Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual places, or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Money Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic. <laughs>